guys, this is Kim Lapree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Be sure to check out all of the other amazing podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host Greg Goins and my special guest today is Dr. Brad Gustafson, an award-winning principal, speaker, and author of a new book entitled Reclaiming Our Calling, Hold On to the Heart, Mind, and Hope of Education. Dr. Gustafson has been named to the National School Boards Association 20 to Watch list. He's a Digital Innovation and Learning Award winner, and has been named as the Minnesota Principal of the Year. He serves on Scholastic's Principal Advisory Board and is a national advisor with Future Ready Schools. He's also the co-host of the Unearthed podcast on the BAM Radio Network, and his blog, Adjusting Course, was named a must-read K-12 blog by EdTech Magazine. Brad is also the author of the best-selling book, Renegade Leadership, Creating Innovative Schools for Digital Age Students, and the co-author of Personalized PD, Flipping Your Professional Development. Be sure to connect with Brad on Twitter, at GustafsonBrad, and be sure to check out his amazing website at bradgustafson.com. As we wrap up 2018, I want to offer my sincere thanks to everyone that has supported the Reimagined Schools podcast. It's truly been a great year. We'll be back in 2019 with new guests, new shows, and as always, some great ideas to help create better schools for kids. Until then, I wish you and your family the very best this holiday season as we say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Reimagined Schools podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. As we roll through 2018, this is actually the last show of this calendar year, and I can't think of a better person to end with a bang than my old friend from the state of Minnesota, Brad Gustafson. How are you, Brad? Woohoo! Doing great, Greg. Last show of the year. Are you sure you want to do this? Oh, yeah. It's been a fun year, but it's been a busy year, and, and you know... You know how that goes. So uh, we're going to put an exclamation point on 2018, and then we're going to roll into 2019 with some new shows as well. You have some exciting news. First of all, let me backtrack a little bit and let our les listeners know that uh, you're the author of three books now, and uh, you had a bestseller that's one of my favorite books in Renegade Leadership, Creating Innovative Schools for Digital Aid Students which is a fantastic book. Now you have a new book that just released here, hot off the presses, called Reclaiming Our Calling, uh, Hold On to the Heart, Mind, and Hope of Education. So let's just begin with congratulations. I know you've had tons of success as an elementary principal there in the state of Minnesota, prolific author and speaker, but it's always got to be a, a fun feeling to have a new book roll out. It's it's super exciting, Greg. So when you first said I had I had exciting news to share, I was like, how does Greg know I just bought a boat? <laughs> we, 
it's been like 20 years since I've gone fishing and our family just took the plunge and um, we're gonna we're gonna get on the lake next year but that's not I didn't answer your question we're uh, I appreciate you mentioning the the new book reclaiming our calling and the thing I'm probably most excited about is just like you know we have the chance to connect with lots of different people the people we serve in our immediate schools and um, areas and then also people sometimes through podcasts and around the country and a theme has come up that I, I haven't missed and it's there's this tension and this conflict in education that a lot of people are feeling not probably not quite everyone but but a lot of people and to put it simply kids are more than numbers and not everything in the system is set up to notice and celebrate the educators who are noticing and, and responding to their calling in that way um, in fact Sometimes it seems like things that are metrics and data-based are the things that we celebrate more than the human beings we get to serve and, and love on. So this is a book about doing both those things. It's not about abandoning accountability or, or you know, not caring about helping kids learn at a high level, but it's also about refusing to ignore all the other things that matter in kids. And I couldn't be more happy to um, have the conversation with people and maybe get it started or continue it using the book. And, you know, I love the title, the, the fact that you've included hope. And it, it's so important to give people hope as, you know, we all get into the teaching profess, profession or the education profession, hopefully for the right reasons. Uh, we love kids. We want to teach. We want to make a difference. But, you know, the tension's there, the pressure's there. It can be very overwhelming at time. And to be able to step back and to uh, share a book like this with uh, with everyone, uh, to kind of give them some encouragement, especially as we approach the holiday season, I think is right on the mark. Mm, thanks. Yeah, the feedback, the early feedback has been, um, I guess, unexpected and overwhelming. I Just based on conversations, I had a feeling it would be helpful, and we had a lot of people help put this together. So, so that's another reason why I knew it would be decent, because I wasn't the only one doing it, right? But the, the depth and the genuine like, passion that people have responded with just in a heartfelt way um, has been really meaningful because, because this is work that really matters. It's really hard. And without hope, like real tangible hope, and maybe us banding together with some like a, almost a rallying cry to, to recommit to some things that we're individually committing to, but to do it collectively and maybe even have a shared language, um, that's a powerful thing. So it's been cool to see some of the unexpected feedback. And I, I've been seeing some things on social media, Twitter particularly, uh, promoting the book. Uh, George Kuros uh, just sent out a tweet not too long ago with the big three, and I don't want to mm. give too much away. Uh, we certainly want people to run out and buy the book. It'll make a great uh, Christmas present for that educator in your family. But every person's a passionate reader, every leader as an innovator, and each leader's, uh, or each learner's, excuse me, talents should be unleashed. Uh, mm -hmm. are, are those kind of the basic themes, or what do you want to tell us about the book? Well, actually, those are my life passions and leadership passions, but the book was built to support yours, and your passions and the kids you serve um, are different than the school next door, right? And so the this isn't. This really isn't a classic how-to book, Greg. And people might be surprised as they dig into this. What it is is almost like a novel. Like picture a, a cabin read or a beach read or I don't know what people call them, a, a couch read th that you would just love a story that you would really enjoy. And that is mashed 
with a professional development book. So it has this unique dynamic and story arc where you're getting to know um, real people throughout the course of the book and it um, in a really deep way while picking up strategies. So I think that's one reason why I think some people are saying it's inspiring, it's vulnerable, and and I'm just passing on what they're saying. It feels a little weird for me to say that, but I'm just, I, you know, that's 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 what they're saying. But it's just different than a PD book. So the big three is actually a, a tool. It's one of the strategies that we use to empower people to hold on to the heart and mind and hope of education. So it's not about my big three because I'm not going to tell you what your big three priorities are. But what I will help with is some um, real tools to help you make sense of this tension and conflict that we're facing so that you can come out and your kids can come out on top as, as whole learners. Well, you, you had great success with the, with the last book, Renegade Leadership, and it was fantastic. Uh, I bought that myself and I, I use it in some of my courses here in higher ed. Um, how was the writing process different this time as you talk about it being a little different than maybe a traditional how-to book? Mm. Um, so the best way that I can say it, you know, we're all growing in, in what we do every day. And this, I've just grown so much over the course of this book. I feel like Renegade Leadership tapped into a, a passion and deep conviction I have about what schools could potentially look like, you know, creating innovative schools for all learners. This book instead of tapping into heart, I honestly feel like it is my heart and I just put it out there, but it's also not just my heart. I almost feel like to the best of my ability based on the listening and conversations and feedback I got in writing that it's that in some small way, it's our heart. And and that will sound corny until maybe you, you read it, but it really is a, like Tony Sinanis had the chance to read it. And I think he summed it up by saying something like, it's like, the physical manifestation of what we believe and do, or at least many of us as, as educators. And that's a big difference because Renegade Leadership was my first solo book. Um, and I, you know, if I'm being completely honest and transparent, um, I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. And on a certain level, I, I was motivated to try and write a book alone. Th that wasn't a motivation here with this one. The motivation was really, um, reclaiming our calling that's the motivation and that's it's bigger than a book so when the book goes away you'll still hear educators across the country talking about and strug struggling with this but hopefully having more um, meaning and being connected to one another and, and also realizing some possibilities we have um, maybe as a result of this book but just as part of the bigger cause that's bigger than the book that did any of that make sense greg are you still awake Absolutely. And I think you're spot on. And I think that's from the heart, just like the book is from the heart. And, you know, we're seeing some early signs uh, and I know you're getting great early feedback, but I'm seeing early signs on Twitter where people are really excited about using uh, reclaiming our calling, maybe for a book study. And you and I have continued to communicate over the years. Uh, you were on the old going digital show that I had uh, three or four years ago. And uh, we were actually talking about book studies not too long ago. And it's just, it's amazing to me how those have continued to blow up. And, and there's a lot of reasons. And one of the big reasons is there are just more and more really good books coming out. You look at Dave Burgess uh, publications mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, education books in that genre uh, that people are wanting to use. And I, I certainly think this is going to be a popular book. In your opinion, why do you think the book studies have exploded like they have? 
at a on a real visceral level, I think people like connecting and talking about things that they're passionate about. They like interacting. They like being part of something bigger. So in a on a related front, this is the first time, um, aside from Twitter chats and stuff, that I've really had a chance to talk to another person. This is the first. The book just came out, right? So getting to talk to you about the book and some of the the people in it means a lot to me because I haven't really been able to talk to other other than editors throughout the writing process. Um, that's a really important thing. And I can't wait to hear people talk not only about the strategies and the, the message and the cause that we all um, care about, but also the, some of the journeys and the interconnected stories throughout the book. So long story short, I think people like interacting around things, just like we love talking about movies that we love, right? And not not every movie is for everyone. And certainly this book won't be for everyone. And I can actually save some people some time if they're on the fence. If you're, if you're somebody who um, s- believes learning starts with accountability and content, this book is not for you, okay? And I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but if you start there, this isn't for you. But if you start from a spot where you believe learning is about relationships and connectedness, this book, this book, and by the way, that, that teaching and education is a calling, not, not quote unquote, just a job. I mean, this is going to be your sweet spot. So I think we need to get that out of the way and just kind of have some expectation management too. It doesn't mean that as part of our calling, we don't do jobs, right? And it doesn't mean as part of our calling and, and while we're building relationships, it doesn't mean that there isn't accountability and content, right? Of course, those things are important, but it's just about like the starting point and the higher priority. And in the book, I call it the moral, the moral high ground. To, to your book study question, Greg, when I was, de- I was developing a digital discussion guide uh, and I, as I was doing this, I was totally geeking out because I put it together in a way that I've never done anything before. I was literally wanting to interact and ex- do this, like the book study with people as I was building it. And I was asking myself, like, what would I want to interact with? What, honestly, what would be fun and challenging and lead to deep conversations? So a couple quick things. Um, every single chapter in the book, including the prologue, which is a must read, it's not optional has bonus content. And some of it is pretty sweet to the point I'm like, why didn't I put this in the book? Because this is, I mean, it's it's awesome. Maybe even better than the book. Um, so every chapter has that that people can get into. Every chapter has character-based uh, re- reflection in this digital discussion guide. So that in addition to talking about pedagogy and, and learning and, and kind of the education stuff, you're talking about the human beings that are in the book because they play such a prevalent part in it, as I mentioned earlier. And then I pulled out my favorite question from each chapter um, just because I think it's kind of cool. Like, what does the author really care about? Because each chapter has a few a few things, but I pulled out like a, a big one. So those are just a few things in, in the discussion guide. And, you know, I've always admired your work uh, as, as a school leader. And I think one of the things that uh, I'm drawn to with you is you're never afraid to think outside the box and try new things. And, and this book's a perfect example. I mean, not everybody may take this, this route to write this kind of book. But I look at your website, and first of all, let me say it's phenomenal. I don't know who does your website, but it's absolutely fantastic. That's where you can find uh, Brad's uh, Adjusting Course blog. If you go to bradgustison.com, it's, it's a wonderful website. But talking about the book study, you have some links there. And one of the links is build your own book study, and you actually talk people how, how – 
through them how to do that. And then you also have something called the Underground Book Club. And you're able to not only provide that digital discussion guide, but you even provide staff meeting starters and you're going to do different chapter podcasts. I know you also have a podcast that you do on a regular basis. So I just, I'm really excited to see these new approaches to this this concept that we're starting to see more and more uh, become prevalent among educators. Hey, thanks for noticing. So my wife is one of the most talented people on the planet. And I think there's a football idiom, like I outkicked the coverage or I don't know. Have you heard that before? Anyway, yeah. she, uh, I don't deserve her, but she is talented and, and does the website stuff um, and puts some of the ideas. Uh, so they actually look good and are coherent, but all that aside, the uh, Build Your Own Book Study and the Underground Book Club. Um, this has been such a collaborative book in that, you know, I've connected with educational leaders across the country like Chris Dodge on the East Coast. And he, um, he helped from the ground up build the Underground Book Club because we wanted to, in, in addition to the Build Your Own Personalized Study, we wanted to have this other pathway people could follow um, and just interact in a way that's meaningful for them. So there's lots of choice and, and meeting and empowerment in this. So I think people will be surprised. There's just lots of hidden layers and I don't want to give away too much either, but the book even has some um, Easter eggs, I think they're called and things like that. That um, And then there's some super obvious stuff too, like a student. We had a, a former student write the forward who, um, I, that's actually one of the most meaningful things. I just get a little emotional just thinking about it right now, but that means a lot. And he's done a lot in our school, at least when he attended here. And I used to share and do some presentations. And I would always mention and guarantee to people that he is going to be published one day. And he will on his own. But I find great joy in the fact, Greg, that now he officially is published a little earlier than, than we all thought he would be as a result of writing that forward. And he put together also a uh, like a graphic, uh, uh, I forget what they're called now, but like a comic strip with an important message in the forward. So. And you also have on the website, if you want to buy the buy the book in bulk, you have some incentives there that I really haven't seen too often that I think are really cool. Uh, I mean, you will participate in a Zoom Zoom video uh, with that book study group, uh, and you'll do some other things. So there are all kinds of incentives that are embedded into not only buying the book, but putting a book study together. And again, that goes back to your ability to kind of think outside the box a little bit and create, uh, you know, really new avenues to connect on these type of things. Yeah. Or I just, I just know really smart, innovative people. That was John Spencer and AJ Giuliani had a really cool kind of tiered thing where they wanted to invest in people who were investing in their book empower. So that was, that was a model that I got from them. So all I, all I do is pay attention, Greg. Well, it's, it's very cool. And you certainly want to want to check out the website and, and, you know, I probably first discovered you, and this is going to, you're going to laugh when I say this, but uh, you were doing the old videos with GW Greats, and I still, to this day, when I go out and present, I show the video, the press conference video, whenever you introduce new teachers, uh, you know, to your community or really to the world with the videos, and they're so good, and they were so creative. Uh, you've done a lot with, uh, you know, the baseball cards are some of my favorites, just talk about some of the things that you're really proud of that you've been able to do uh, over the, the last few years. As I know you're a, a passionate, connected educator, and you're out there uh, talking and speaking with folks about how to be a better school leader. Hmm. Well, thanks, 
Greg. The I think the thing that I'm most passionate about is probably the thing I hear our team here at school talk about and just it's just heartfelt when we empower kids to be like their best and to connect with an authentic audience and um, to invent things and start businesses. I mean, uh, we had a another former student, he was in middle school, but he helped give one of the speeches or talks at our state principal conference last year. And when, when, he, when that happens, when things like that happen, I just look back at the, the small, like the teeny little things I maybe did, you know, walking by him in the hall, encouraging him, but the big things that his homeroom teachers did over the years to put him on that stage. And in a heartfelt way, I think when each of us wakes up um, in the morning and go, go, go to bed at night, our biggest dream is going to be the difference our kids can make in the world. That's our, that's our legacy. And we don't necessarily just want to equip them to do what we've always done or what they've always done. So that's a, that's something I'm, I'm really proud that our team does. And I get to play a small role on that. Uh, there are really some remarkable things happening in the state of Minnesota too, from an education perspective. Uh, there are a lot of innovative things coming from your state uh, and there's, you know, been a lot of recognition along the way. What are some of the things you're seeing that are kind of coming uh, that are statewide initiatives that you think maybe Minnesota's becoming a leader nationally on? Hmm. So I, I have the chance to go to quite a few state conferences and there, there are a couple states that, um, that stick out. So Michigan, I find to be very um, innovative and friendly. No, same with, with North Carolina educators. And that's not, I'm not, I haven't been to every state, so I'm not trying to take away from anyone, but um, in Minnesota, there are some things equally that I, I'm just really proud to be a part of our state. MESPA, our state association, is one of the most innovative associations that, that I've experienced. And they're very child-centered, and um, they, they, each year they just look at formatting the conference differently because we believe that how principals learn is probably going to influence how we support teacher learning and even run staff meetings and breakout sessions and things like that, which inevitably will impact how kids are learning. I mean, there's a direct, there needs to be a direct connection if there's not there's a problem. So probably the biggest thing from a statewide standpoint is just the work that, that MESPA has been doing. And then some of the content that they've committed to as well, like with mental health is a really, really big deal in school because we can try to be super innovative and, and confront the status quo. But if we forget the hearts and minds and mental health of the kiddos who are in our rooms who are really, really struggling, then, then we've drastically fallen short. So I feel like Minnesota is emerging as um, just with a, a deeper commitment to that. We definitely don't have it all figured out, but these are important conversations that are happening at every conference now that, that I'm at. And, you know, at, at the high school level, um, obviously the focus is going to be a little different, say, say in your building as an elementary school principal. High school folks are looking at graduate profiles, college and career readiness, those kind of things. And then at, at the elementary level, obviously you're, you're looking at more uh, reading and fluency and those kind of things. What is the shift that you've been able to see over the last few years at the elementary school level that you think uh, is really uh, moving education in the right direction? Okay, so this that's a difficult question because sometimes you get used to the the water or the the environment you're in, and I, I truly believe that we have a really special team and community in our school. So I think some of what I'm seeing here, um, I just take for granted. And it, it might not be happening everywhere. And that not, has nothing to do with me. I'm just talking about like what our teacher leaders have established. But I'll tell you some things 
if push comes to shove, here's what I'm seeing. And, and then I, I also am seeing signals across the country of these things too. So maybe it is bigger than, than our school, but a focus on creating passionate readers as opposed to holding kids accountable using read, reading logs and, and other inauthentic or less authentic tasks. Like we really want kids to love to, to read. Um, that's a big one. And then how, how do we do that? And how, how do we have them, how do we empower them to share their learning and what they're reading and connecting? So in a super teeny example or a quick example is our school is collaborating with Gabe Hackett in Monticello. Um, and we're doing this thing called book talk DJs. So each week kids are recording some super quick book talks and they dress up like DJs and, and we eat lunch with them. So it's very relational. And then we collaborate with this other school and create this podcast and it's really, really fun and cool. So you've got this traditional best practice that virtually every educator would agree with, right? Just investing in reading and kids loving books and reading a lot and talking about their books. But then you've got this um, innovative way where we're collaborating and modeling digital citizenships. So it's, it's almost like the technology is ubiquitous. It's in the background, but yet it's empowering and, and amplifying things. So the, the, the reading is probably probably at the forefront. I think innovation is as well, but not, I think this, we just have to be careful when we talk about innovation, that we're talking about meaningful change. This, I get into this in the book too. Some people will say that's a buzzword now. And if we ever let it become a buzzword, if we use it in buzzwordy ways, then, then again, we've fallen short for kids. I also think it can be one of the most transformative words when it's, when it's purposeful and conducive to meaningful change. And, you know, we always, um, talk about uh, leadership and you know particularly school leadership and and I lead a higher ed uh, principal program ed leadership program I know you teach you work with a lot of young administrators what advice do you have uh, for those folks as they think about maybe entering the principalship or thinking about a school leadership role uh, I had the good fortune of talking with Todd Whitaker last week and we were talking about the idea that you know becoming a, a great principal or a great superintendent doesn't just happen. You don't just kind of fall out of bed and become a great school leader. It, you know, they need to have people uh, that they can model themselves after that could mentor them. Even something simple like, uh, you know, how do you know how to run a faculty meeting if you've never seen it done in a, in a positive way? And that's why I really uh, enjoyed seeing, um, you know, the, the staff meeting startup that you're, that you're providing as part of the book study. But how do we lead these folks in the right direction as they think about school leadership? Okay, so here's an answer that I think will connect with a lot of people. It might not be what you're looking for, but I think we lead by listening as well and meeting people where they're at. Because a lot of times I feel, and, and I've made this mistake for more years than I care to admit, you have your passions and, and your vision, but if it doesn't connect and people can't see themselves in that vision or don't feel valued, your, your traction will be dramatically increased and, and you're not going together. So m some of my, I don't know if I want to call it best advice, but a strong conviction I have would be really seeing each individual learner in a school with the gifts and talents and aspirations that they have, and then bringing your ideas and value and support and, and listening to them so that they can become um, even more than they, they could be alone. Just like when people come alongside me and help and coach me, the people that probably help me most maybe recognize some of the passions that I have and then say like Andy Jacks um, is a, a principal in Virginia. He and I love talking about podcasting and creating 30 second book talk videos and things like that. But he recognizes my strengths, 
but then will invest in me and help me get better. And that's just a microcosm for what we can do effectively with kids and even at staff meetings. But if we just get up to, to preach and talk about our vision, I think that's been happening a long time in education, Greg. And I'll just speak for our culture and stuff here. The, the best things that are happening in our school don't happen in this office, right? In the principal office. They happen in classrooms and the hearts and minds of kids and, and staff. And we start recognizing that and stop trying to hide it or prioritize numbers over those things. Uh, we can do a lot of really good things for kids together. And you mentioned the podcast, and I know you're, I think you're in your third year of doing the Unearth podcast on the BAM Radio Network. And again, folks, you want to check that out. It's, it's fantastic. And you've been doing these type of uh, audio, video type of uh, things for quite some time, and you're very good at what you do. But I'm starting to see more and more people also using podcasts uh, in that book study format, whether you want to call it a podcast study. Uh, and I actually sent out a tweet not too long ago that we talked about a little bit via Twitter, you know, I, I wish we could, uh, you know, create a multimedia type book study concept in which we could use books, podcasts, uh, TED Talks, and you, you gave a great TED Talk uh, that's available on YouTube, uh, and, you know, movies, you can use things like Most Likely to Succeed. There's a lot mm -hmm. of different options out there that, that can be supplemental materials with the book, and I know folks are also using Zoom video a lot to have mm -hmm. multi-district book studies, which I think is just another great way to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a different world than when I entered as a first and second grade teacher. I mean, I honestly had, and I know these are still in existence, but I had a blackboard and I had kids whose job at the end of the day was to go bang erasers. And now we're connecting. You and I are connecting just yesterday, last night, I connected with a crew in California and we just had a great conversation from our living rooms, right? Every, I mean, everyone was in a different space and we can share ideas and push back and question one another and grow together. And, and so then the question I have for, for us is, is that reflected in our schools and our teachers supported in, in doing that? And right now, not the, my answer is no, not to the degree that they deserve us to do that for them. And that again, gets back to the tension. I mean, we're going to prioritize and pile on and focus on one aspect of the human condition and achievement, it doesn't leave a lot of room for some of the other things. So to be a little bit cyclical here, um, that's part of the importance of the, you know, just really reclaiming our calling and getting our priorities right, starting with the human beings and what's relevant to them and what they need. And, and then I tend to believe that the accountability and the content will follow, but you can't serve two masters. You've got to pick what is most important. And then again, th things work out really well. When you try to do too many things at once or pretend they're all equal, it does not work. And I think we educators are so dedicated, Greg, we've tried to make that work for many, many years. But people, um, you know, a lot of really great teachers are getting burnt out, frustrated. Or, or if they're hanging in there okay, then they're trying to help colleagues who are having a tough time. And I just feel like we can do I feel like we can regroup and do better, but part of it involves us educating and like you alluded to, just getting our message out with regard to, uh, or to people who maybe haven't been in a classroom in a really long time and maybe don't understand or get to know and see what we see every day. The name of the book is Reclaiming Our Calling, Hold On to the Heart, Mind, and Hope of Education. It is now available wherever books are sold. You definitely want to go to the website, bradgustason.com, and follow Brad on Twitter, at Gustason Brad. So uh, last name first there. 
And we kind of started with the hope of education, and I kind of want to close, if we can, with the heart. And I know you well enough to know that uh, what you're really passionate about is kids, whether it's spending time with them on the playground, playing kickball, uh, turning your office into a, a student library, or even creating a little ping pong area right there in the office. You just get really excited uh, when you get a chance to deal with kids. Yeah, it's the, it's the absolute best. So as you think about uh, wrapping up 2018, uh, I guess you've been a good boy if Santa's going to bring you a new boat. <laughs> so, what are some of the goals you have for 2019 as I kind of give you a closing thought here? Mm-hmm. Well, um, one of the things I'm really excited about is the Underground Book Club, that, you know, hashtag Underground Book Club, and just the community, the, the small and mighty community that's forming and there is uh, really kind of what we guarantee or promise is that we're going to engage in meaningful work together. We're going to be connected and try to follow one another, you know, um, and then I just send out weekly missions and that has been a lot of fun, but it's powerful. And this last week we had kind of a vulnerable, vulnerable mission where there were two questions that we sent out via email in, in the underground book club and people could pick one or both just to kind of make it safe. But one of them was, you know, what are you, what are you scared of? What scares you? And some of the responses, Greg, I mean, you just know that something's real when people put themselves out there a little bit. And then you couple that with hope and the supportive community that, that is the underground and, and even people um, who are in the underground. Um, I have a lot of hope and there's a lot of great things because we're, um, we're doing this stuff together and just by what you and I are connecting here, it's just a really powerful thing. And I don't think there's going to be any stopping us as long as we can agree on some core <laughs> foundational things like this is about the kids. And once we agree that that's a starting place, everything else will flow from that. It really will make sense. Well, again, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and talk a little bit. Congrats on the book. And again, folks, you want to run out and check out the book. Uh, you also want to look for Renegade Leadership. That's another great book. Uh, so why not buy both of them over the holiday season? So Brad, have a wonderful holiday season and best wishes to you in 2019. Hey, thanks, Greg. You're way too kind and gracious, but thank you. All right, folks, thanks again for listening. As always, we're uh, kind of winding down here in 2018, but as I said in the opening, we're going to roll on right into 2019 with more great guests, more great conversations, and, of course, more great ideas. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins. 